Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sun Spira. Today, our guest, Dr. Laura Mox, she's going to talk a deep, intellectual, stimulating talk about fear, where it comes from, what it causes us to do, and more importantly, what it causes us to not do. Fascinating conversation. You're going to want to listen to this and stay awake and stay dialed in. She's got great advice, great great conversation. She can be reached too if anybody has an interest in working with her. Again, our podcast is sponsored by Kettenbach. Kettenbach has a brand new product called Vasalis Fill and Flow. It's a nano hybrid composite. Highly filled at over 80%. Highly polishable and very desirable aesthetically. It provides high durability and strength, making it ideal for anterior and posterior composites. It has a flex shade system, easy to pick, and it also has an opaque and a bleach shade. Remember, your costs are lower with Kettenbach, and it's available directly to your office with no middleman costs. To learn more, order simply, contact your local Kettenbach rep, or call 877-532-2123. Or if you prefer, shop on their webpage. Again, Dr. Sonny Spira, Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you like it, share it with your friend. Click subscribe and share. Thank you all. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spira. Today, our special guest, she's always our special guest, Dr. Laura Mock. She reached out and said, hey, let's let's do a podcast. And we we just were talking offline and there's about six different lanes that we can go in. But today we're going to try to focus on fear and why it grips us. Talk a little bit about the biology and etiology of it and then how it affects. Okay, if you're transitioning like Dr. Mack and Dr. Lord has out of in-network to an all-fee-for-service model. What are some of those impacts and stuff like that, as well as other impacts of fear? So let's welcome Dr. Laura. How are you today? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for asking. It is almost, it's practically fall here. How about there? Are you getting some changes? 
We are, but it's hotter than blazes today. So oh. we're like in an Indian summer, if I can still use that term without offending anyone. Um, it's really hot. It's 90 degrees yesterday, today, and tomorrow probably. So. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Yeah. No, we're at, we're at 70 right now. So I'm like luxuriating in the cool. That's where we usually are this time in September. We're, we're just having this. And I think next week it rolls back to normal. We're recording this in early September for folks listening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm good. And the practice is um, just marching along. It's been a year and three months-ish since we made the big change. And when when did your associate leave? A year and three months ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it was but, all at once. Okay, so that happened. You yourself, though, stayed out of network while she was still in network, right? Yeah, I left about um, a year and a half before okay. the practice, and we we made the final change. So you don't have any mixed signals in the office anymore, so... To tell us how it's going. It's a year and a half, a year and three months. How's it going? Um, you know, we're all just having a really good time. We were just looking at um our team agreements that we used to have, and like, like we all signed it. It was this contract of like, mm-hmm. um, well, we promise to talk to each other if we have a problem, and we promise not to be toxic, and we promise that, like, uh, you know, no drama. drama and we were looking at the agreements and we were like we don't need most of these anymore like everything is just so copacetic right now is that the right word yeah having a good time there's not drama anymore and um and between that and knowing that you're getting your full fee for every procedure that you do like morale is up it's good for the team too to see those lacks of lack of discounts and mm-hmm. to see the patients starting to just decide what is best for them instead of insurance-based decision making. So we're having a good time. Have you changed your case presentation? Um yes. Like okay, like like first your part, but how about the systems and the delivery part must have changed dramatically? Yes. So we've always been working towards being good at that, but we really have worked for the last year and a half on our ability to ask open-ended questions and to really get into the feelings that people have about their teeth. And I know that sounds kind of dorky, but um, we make decisions on the feeling side of our brain, not the logic side. So, um, getting to a patient's feelings, even if it's just talking about what they want their teeth to be like in five to 10 years, instead of saying, well, you need this and you need this. It's very effective for, um, for presenting expensive treatment plans without getting that kickback of like, you're pushing me towards this. It's, Mm -hmm. um, it's fun. It's more fun to talk to like collaborate with your patients. Well, you're not, you're not really pushing them. You're leading them. Would you say? 
I would say that, especially now uh, we got a scanner and we scan every patient and we get that scanner out on the big giant screen and we point at things and talk about things while we're, you know, like the, let me show you the problems that I see. I see this, this, and this, and we can make a plan, you know, to, to help you maintain your goals, that kind of thing. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a dialogue now. It's no longer a talk down. It's a two-way conversation. Yes. And nobody leaves with a big giant 2MO, 3DO, or quads of root plane and scaling. Like we don't do that kind of treatment planning where you just print out each individual procedure. That that doesn't make any sense to patients. Really? Hmm. Do you do that? Uh we typically do. Yeah. If we have a larger treatment plan, we'll mm -hmm. we'll we'll uh you know present it and then we will apply it and then we'll go over it. Yeah. No, we, we give them simpler, like a little sheet, little half sheet with a tear off, like duplicate mm -hmm. that says at the top, we'll just put fillings or two crowns or um, bioclear refresh or whatever. And then, and, and it'll just be the total cost of the treatment, any discounts, what they need to put down to schedule it and what will be due on the day of service. And the rest nice. of just gobbledygook to them anyway. Our show is sponsored by our good friends at Metadenta. Metadenta has served the dental community since the 1940s with award-winning innovation and a large catalog of dental products in most facets of dentistry. I personally use several of their products and recommend them to anyone I can. They are a sponsor of the program and are offering 30% off that's right, 30% off anything site-wide at metadenta.com. Simply use the code FFSD30 at checkout and get your 30% instant savings. From CR-rated Profi Angles, Hygiene, High-Speed Handpieces, Burr, Endo, Whitening, they more than have you covered. Their customer service is amazing, and they are willing to walk you through an order at any time. So if you have any questions, give them a call at 800-221-0750. That number, 800-221-0750. Or send them an email at orders at metadenta.com and mention the fee-for-service dentistry group and get your discounts. So yes, we still we still review like a, a full treatment plan, and if we re, if we review it with the patient, we'll give it to them. The one thing that gets confusing is when you have multiple treatment plans. Yep. Then it's you know like I I tell the patient, listen, I can print you you know twenty sheets here, but mm -hmm. suffice it to say, let me give you an overall ballpark estimate here. Like I just did this yesterday, as a matter of fact, patient has an upper denture, you know, and he has six teeth on the bottom, his occlusion's destroyed. And, you know, we did it three years ago and, you know, I need, and so I'm like, okay, so if we're going to do implants on the top for the denture and then we can't do that without restoring the lower. So we're going to have to get this squared away and your choices are implants and crowns or implants and then snap on partial on the bottom with crowns in front, you know, so you, you can narrow it down from six different things to three. And I said, here's, here's your cost ball for this. Here's your cost ball for that. Which way do you want to go? Well, I'm really thinking this based on that. And, and it was a comfortable conversation. And then my dental assistant was able to finish things with a reasonable number 
That's of, of, of a finalized treatment plan versus yeah. bouncing all over the place. So it, it was it was a good experience, but sometimes it's hard because the patient is not ready to get there. So I don't just want to print stuff off just to quote CYA, you know? No, those don't go anywhere when you just print no. it off and say, call us when you're ready. Yeah. But you didn't get, you didn't clear up. Like there's so many things that patients don't understand about dental care and they, they right. need that. And it's wonderful that you have a team member who can coordinate that. Because I don't know that everybody is lucky enough to have a knowledgeable team member who can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Okay. So let's talk now about our main topic, fear. Something you are quite knowledgeable about and, and you know, understand. Let's. Do you want to start with the etiology? Do you want to talk about it? Well, okay. So as a background for the listeners, we talked last time, we we like made a list of different reasons why people put off going fee for service. Um, so yes, right at the top was that people are scared. The owners are scared and we understand why we've done it, but there's Mm -hmm. other things that we put off doing when we're scared as owners, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. What else? Confrontation. Talking to an employee about a situation that was out of bounds, let's say, or borderline, right? Yeah. Or how about they have that toxic employee who knows everything about how the office runs and we don't let them go because we're afraid of what will happen if they're gone. Mm -hmm. And so we put up with drama, office drama or whatever, or we're afraid everyone's going to switch away from us because that one hygienist who knows everybody in town will just take all the patients with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's happened to me recently. We had a, uh, like a state run clinic open up mm-hmm. hygienist we've had for 12 years. She left and it's, and it's, and it's a very small, this is a two traffic light town. This is a small town. Oh. So, and it's, it's, uh, if you play golf, it's about a seven iron away from our office, you know, <laughs> so it's close Mm-mm. and it is what it is. Yeah. So, but so the, the reason I was thinking about talking about this with you today is because sometimes I just like to dream about what would my practice be like? If I wasn't being led by that yucky fear feeling in my gut. Sure. What if I was dreaming? What if I was looking at it from abundance? What if I just wasn't scared? What would I do differently? But there's a problem because the fear actually does stop us from taking action many times. And so I thought it might be really helpful to just like what I call coach explain what fear is to the listeners, um, because yeah. if you understand how it works, it's easier to work around it and not feel it anymore. Okay. Do you want to touch on it? Cause you mentioned it, you mentioned you, you hinted at scarcity. You talked about abundance, the different mindsets. Do you want to, do you want to give any background there or do you just want to go right into it? Well, um, Sure. So 
we're talking about two different mindsets here, right? The scarcity on one end would be, oh my gosh, am I going to run out of money? Are, is my practice going to fail? Um, that kind of thing where you're grasping, right? And what I want people to notice is that when they put themselves in that mindset, how it changes how they want to act, because that's key to what I'm going to explain. Whereas if we're over here in abundance and we're like, everybody needs my work. Mine is amazing. I have worked so hard and I have put my heart and soul into this practice. My patients are lucky and I'm going to offer them the best care. Mm -hmm. And we'll just let them see if they can decide. Like, how do we feel we want to act when we're over there in that abundance feeling, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is that once we understand how our brain works, we we understand that we're automatically more in this scarcity mode. Like that's where our brain wants us to be. And that's what I want to explain because it's so much easier to get out of it once you understand why it's even in your body in the first place. And, and it's a mindset. It's not just a feeling. It's truly a mindset. So that's correct. Yes, it all goes together. So, and this is cognitive behavioral theory, which is what we use in the model, which is my main life coaching tool. You have the data that comes into your brain. Think of yourself as an organism. Nature mm -hmm. made you. You're made of proteins and fats, connective tissue, all this stuff. And then you have these different senses that tell you what is happening in the environment around you. You can see, you can hear, you can taste, you can smell. And what your brain does is it filters all of that information and tells you, is this information good for survival or bad for survival? Because that is what nature wants from you. It wants you to live and pass along your genes and support those little people that you made. That's literally your nature's goal for you, okay? So keeping that in mind, we're bringing in this information and our thoughts are the mindset that you just talked about. When we've got the fear mindset over here, we've got the abundance mindset over here and how we think affects how we feel. And guess what? Our emotions are also a part of nature. If you think about it from a biological standpoint, your emotions are simply um, messages from your nervous system and your hormones. That's it. They're just like, okay, release a little dopamine. Okay, get make them scared or make them stressed. And it changes what you want to do. And emotion is a behavioral cue that tells you how to act. And that is true, not just for humans. I'll always look at... Um, animal examples of that like when a dog is embarrassed that they misbehaved and you know they they act in that certain way when they know they're ashamed because they did something bad <laughs> or a mama bear wanting to protect her cubs she brings in that information she processes that it means her cubs are in danger and she's pissed and she's going to do what she has to to protect those babies so we are not different and our brain wants us safe. And so when we take that human brain and that system of thoughts, feelings, and actions, and we plug it into modern day dentistry, 
it's like 99% of the time we are going to be miserable unless we're really monitoring what we are thinking in our minds, what is happening with our mindset. And are we in charge or is the nature part of our brain in charge? If the nature part of our brain is in charge, we're going to be scared of the insurance companies. We're going to be scared of our employees and we're going to be afraid of our patients as well. So if anyone out here is feeling that way right now, just know you are an extremely good company. <laughs> and I've certainly felt it. I know how this works. And I felt it. Have you felt it, Sunny? Oh, yeah. Can you think of any decisions that you've ever made out of fear because you just stayed in that scared part of your brain and and you lost out on something? Ooh, can I think of some? I'd have to take some time to think about. I'm sure, I've, I'm sure I've made my share of those. Sure. I can think of hundreds of thousands of dollars that I've written off. Maybe millions, <laughs> millions. Oh, yeah, we're going to go dental. I'm thinking of, did I buy the wrong, you know, did I buy the wrong item, you know, impulse things or what have you, you know. Mm -hmm. Or like people that I did, I knew weren't a good fit in the team, but I just put up with it because my scarcity brain over here was like, well, you know, hygienists are really hard to hire mm -hmm. or she knows everything about the front office. So you can't let her go because then what would you do? Yeah, that's the, that is the situation with, especially when hygienists and dental assistants in in the work field are so scarce. So yeah, so you you well, it's funny I just used the word scarce, but you're you're gonna you're gonna probably think a little bit differently, and it's such a for me, it's it's a hard way to do it. I've just never thought in that sense, but the reality of it is, supply and demand. The 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 demand is there, and the supply is diminished or disappeared in some situations. It's it's an, it's an unusual uh, work environment right now. It is an unusual work environment, but when you stay over here in nature's version of how you look at reality, can you see how it is less fun and it stops you from making the decisions that you really intend to make because you're scared? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um uh, yeah. yeah. So I thought we might take a little bit of time to really hash out how to recognize when you're in that state and how to like work your way out of it so that you're more in like intentional, abundance-minded dental badass. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's pretend you've talked to so many people who have taken this jump, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And tell me, what are the things that your people tell you that they are afraid of? They're like, Doc, I really want to do this. I'm ready, but I just, and then fill in the blank. Like what happened? Well they fear that their practice is going to deteriorate that they're they're going to lose a lot of patience that's always the first thought they're going to lose a lot lose a lot of revenue lose a lot of patience going to lose a lot of patience um, and i think also the one thing that someone else brought up that i never it never hit me but it does now like i'm going to end up losing some team because that's the 
resultant of losing the patients and losing the revenue. I won't be able to keep my team of seven or eight happy. I'm going to have to reduce to six. I'm going to have to shrink. A few, a few of those thoughts, you know, is and and it's. I guess I, I don't know if you want to say fear of failure is a fair way to use it, is a fair, you know, stretch on this situation. But it's, I think that's a big component of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I think that if someone were to say to me in a coaching session, well, I might have to lay somebody off. Right. Exactly. Right. Then that's yeah. Mm-hmm. I would ask them, and why is that bad? And they might say, well, I hired them. So it's my job to make sure that I help them provide for their family. And if we get down, if we continue to ask that person, why is that bad? Why is that bad? Then at the very bottom of it is, then everyone will know that I failed. Or people will be disappointed in me. Okay. Yeah, the self-esteem, that's now you're getting to, you know, the doctor's self-image or self-esteem. I've failed. Yeah. You know, I've failed in my mission to care for my people. Yes. Uh, both of them, both my team and my patients. Yes. And if you think about it, that fear that that they might fail, that fear was a thought habit that started before they even owned a practice. It mm-hmm. might have even been before they started dental school because they wanted to be a dentist, which meant that they had to get straight A's and they told everyone they wanted to be a dentist and they were trying and trying and trying. And there was this fear that people might see that they failed. Or maybe their parents put it upon them that they were supposed to go to dental school or they were supposed to do this, that, or the other. Or they're already married. They have children. They've um, they've given up, a, made a lot of sacrifices in order to go or whatnot. And so these habits start quietly, naturally, and all that happens is our circumstances change. But our our habit of thinking, I, "Oh my gosh, I might fail," is um, is deep in our bones. Mm-hmm. Okay, and every time we think it we get that little jab of that yucky feeling in our gut. And that part is the physical sensation that is our emotion. Mm -hmm. And then once we feel it, you can tell me how you act when you're afraid. For me, when I'm afraid, I want to hide and I don't take any action at all. Now, did you ask me how I feel when I feel that way? How do you act when you feel? How do I act? Yeah. Especially in regards to your practice, are you proactive? How do I act, do I act when I when I'm? Yeah, I say, would you say threatened or would you just say scared? What would the word be? Well, we're talking about. I wouldn't say threatened. I would say as you are worried about failing. Yeah, as your brain is processing through those th- those thought habits, and you're like. Mm-hmm. picturing your bank account going to zero or the yeah. bank is calling you and sure. you're like, why haven't you paid us or rent or the employees or whatever, like picturing those worst case scenarios. And then you have that yucky feeling in your gut. And then what do you do when you're feeling that way? Well, for me, I would make sure 
in my mind that I have a whole bunch of contingency backup plans. Okay. So you're like, let's keep myself safe by, you know, let's build a wall around the front of this cave and let's keep it safe. Mm -hmm. So I would say like to me, like give that scenario. Okay. That's bad. Well, I have, maybe I have um, an outside work that I can start to work at a nursing home or I can do some other thing. You know I mean? I would say, what can I do? Maybe I'll, I'll work later. I'll stay, you know, extend hours. How can I creatively solve it without some safety? Yeah. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Bring, bring more. Yes. Put more safety nets in place Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to sacrifice and do what I got to do. So that would be, I guess that would be my, my mindset would be, okay, you know, this is not going as we had planned. And then we're going to need to create some more layers of protection, I guess you'd say. Right. And would you agree with me that the way modern dentistry is set up right now, those knee jerk reactions that we would make as we were feeling afraid might actually be in the best interest of the insurance companies instead of our practices. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really fascinating. Like insurance companies, they have a lot of money. They can spend money on industrial engineers and um, psychology people who are like, how can we communicate this the best way where we're like, oh yeah, we have your best interests at heart, but the underlying message is you're in trouble without us. Yeah, the verbiage and 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 the coat coaxing or the what would you say the the coding that they put on the words and the yeah dressing that yeah they, or they'll they, send you a letter and they'll be like, did you know that you do buildups twenty five percent more than all of your peers? Yeah, I mean it's so funny. Like I got a I got a letter. I had a surgical procedure and I they gave me oxycodone. Now I didn't fill the prescription. I didn't take the prescription. Fortunately, I didn't need to, but I, I was like, no, I was dead set against it. Well, I got a letter from the insurance company telling me about oxycodone and all these horror stories. And I was like, are they really trying to to do? I mean, like, you know, such a jaundiced view I have now immediately, like, I, yeah. what's, what's in it for them? You know, like, uh-huh. so anyway, I, I want to write back and say, if you'll notice that the prescription was not filled or picked up, you know, so anyway. Oh, I want to give you an example of that too. Um, Back in the day, um, I remember uh, my husband at the time worked at FedEx and we got dental insurance for the first time. And they gave us this pamphlet, like a trifold. And on the front of it was using your dental insurance. And then it was a picture of three sharp instruments sitting on a tray. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a needle, sailor, and explorer. And it was like, oh... (laughs) That wasn't subtle at all, but think about how um, that this this is connected, right? Like insurance companies, they got money, they got knowledge, they understand, they have these little messages, and the messages come and they poke that part of our brain that is defensive of our organism, and that's called the amygdala. Do you remember amygdala? Yes, I do. Your brain. Well- well, think about this. Let's say, because this happened in our community, right? So let's say you have a community where everybody is an independent practitioner and they all have their own fee schedules and they're all independent of insurances. Well, the insurance company comes in 
and they start to tell you that you need to sign up because your friend down the street is going to sign up. And if they sign up, then the patients that you have, they're all going to go down there because it's going to be more affordable for them, right? So they live on and they prey on your fear and anxieties. Yes. Yeah. And isn't that so helpful to see, especially as we're looking at that our brain has been processing this information in mm-hmm. sort of a primitive way, not because there's something wrong with us, but because that's just what brains do. They have so much to process. They can't sure. sit and think really contemptively about everything that's happening in this in this day and age. And when mm-hmm. we need to think about our patients and, and our leadership. And so when it comes to this like fear-based stuff, it happens like that. Okay. And once that happens, then our brain, our amygdala, which is known to catastrophize, is taking our brain and our feelings on a roller coaster. Okay. So when we talk about life coaching, we talk about training ourselves to recognize that ache in our gut, that yucky, fearful feeling, and go, oh, I see I'm feeling afraid again. What am I telling myself? that is making me feel afraid. And it's a look inward at what the brain has been doing. Because unlike the dog and the bear, as humans, we can think about our own thoughts. That is called metacognition. And when we think about what we are thinking, we've separated ourselves from our brain's function and realize that we are not our brain. And even if our brain has a tendency to want us to stay in fear, we don't have to, we can recognize that we're thinking fearful thoughts and we can change our perspective. Okay. So then we go, we recognize the thing that we're thinking, which is I might fail. And we go, how else can I think about this situation? What makes sense? It has to be something that we believe. And my clients and I always, we comb through this and we go, well, how do we want to feel? What would be a feeling that would help us act like the leader we intend to act? And a lot of times people will say something like optimistic, powerful, confident, ready. It's different for each person, but you choose that feeling that you would like to feel And then you find a belief or a thought that nurtures that feeling. You can actually change how you feel. Now you will sometimes, your brain will still pull you back. It will pull you back because it's its natural tendency. But the more you practice awareness and having a thought ready to help you feel a new way, the more you can act like you wanted to in the first place. And so this is what we do in coaching is I've helped scores of women do this, whether it's, you know, like we said, dropping the insurance or, or, um, letting that one team member go, or just talking to them, (laughs) just setting them down and going, Hey, I want you to do this one thing differently because yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, this is a system that works really well. And, um, if people want to hear more about how we do it, they can also check out my other podcast. So let me, so let's, let's make a specific example out of this then. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I am, is there, there's a gal um, who's experiencing this right now. Cause she went out of, went, went off, went out of the network. And now like this month, this is September. 
she noticed like her schedule emptied out and Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, did I make a, 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 a did I make a the mistake? So she's immediately ready to flip the switch. Yes. Like, and she's looking for some input and some help. Why don't, you want to describe maybe what might be going on through her mm-hmm. mental processes and then some suggestions on mm-hmm. how to reprogram. Yeah. Get better yeah, data. Absolutely. Um, and so we're going to talk like in um, composite language. So we ha- would have to guess exactly what's happening in her mind. But you and I have both talked to so many dentists going through this. So we're going to project just a little bit. Okay. Sure. Yep. So for the first thing that we would do is we would go, okay, what is the data actually bringing in? What are the facts? Okay. And we would separate that out. And the fact of the situation for her might be, reduction in booked appointments, or sometimes we'll just make it even less. um, Let's say, let's say 50% of her schedule is missing. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Or I do, I don't see as many colored blocks on my schedule as I used to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know about you, but like when I see the colored blocks full, I'm like, I'm safe. This is a good day. I have teeth to drill on. (laughs) Okay, so 50% reduction. That is the data. It's immovable and it's neutral because it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad depending on what's in those appointments. Are you with me? I'm with you. Okay. But then scarcity brain comes and it's like, oh shit. I don't know if we're going to be okay. Right. Maybe I made a mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. You think about the dog who realized that they made a mistake and then think about, well, we have to guess what's in her gut, but it's probably either fear or shame, right? And then the fear or shame is going to have her, like you said, building contingency plans. And most of the time with dental practice owners, What we want to see with contingency plans is things that create a feeling of safety. So seeing an increase in demand, seeing more new patients, seeing more colored blocks on the schedule. These are the things. So she goes, well, how can I see more colored blocks on the schedule? And takes that fearful feeling and just runs with that in ways to protect herself from this unknown danger. So actually, she's not in any danger, right? There's no lion chasing her. We're not in a war right now. Mm-hmm. But her body is making her feel that way because these systems are ancient. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if she were my client, that's the first thing that we would do is we would just look at what her brain did. We would accept it and be okay with the fact that the brain was just trying to keep us safe. And then we would go, let's take this fact. Let's take this 50% reduction in um, appointments, September versus August. And let's ask ourselves, the fact is there. What do we want to create for our practice right now? And this is a creative time for clients to really fantasize and visualize about 
the part that they really want. Mm-hmm. And a, a client might say to me, well, I just want to give my patients the very best care. And I don't want to be a victim of the insurance companies anymore or something like that. And we'll go, okay, yeah. What does that look like in your actions? And they creatively brainstorm how they want to act. So that might include for her, um, I stick with my original plan and we work on scripting and customer service while we have this temporary lull in patients. Or I look at my spreadsheets and I actually confirm, yes, I have enough money or no, I don't. And I make sure I have a line of credit set up just in case during this lull while I'm rebuilding my practice, I have a pillow of same. Mm-hmm. Or I look at my marketing and I decide who am I talking to? I really lean into things that I didn't have time to do when I was on the treadmill drilling teeth for a discount. Mm-hmm. And then we make a list of how she wants to act during this time with this reduction in patients. And then we say, okay, what emotion would help you to take those actions? Because it's not fear, is it? We need to get you out of fear so that you can take these new actions. And then we really brainstorm about that. What feeling would make me want to sit down and look at my marketing? Sit down and actually look at those numbers so that I have facts instead of a scary monster in the closet, this scary feeling that, oh, I'm running out of money. Okay, so maybe it's um, curiosity. Maybe it's optimism. Maybe it's like, I'm done. I'm done with that. I don't want to do it anymore. So it's like a determination. And she chooses that feeling what would make her do the things. And then after that, we just choose a thought. That's something that she believes and creates it. So the thought might be, I know that there was going to be a reduction. This is part of the process. Or this practice is mine and I'm going to lead it the way I choose. Mm-hmm. Not the way other people want me to, or I'm creating a new future for me and my family, something like that. Well, I think the most important thing that everybody's told me that's successfully done this is that the mindset is a cannot go back like a burned boats. Yeah. And there is no, there is no going back. So that is not an option. Once that option's off the table, mm-hmm. I think mentally, like, like mm-hmm. in this scenario where I sense, I mean, the practitioners clearly said, I, I think I made a mistake. I'm going to go back versus there's no way I'm going back. Yes. Changes then your decision-making. And I know, I think if you don't have that mindset, you're not going to do it. There's no way I'm going back is a very good thought. As long as it's something that the person believes and is behind, but mm-hmm. it's great because it's like, well, I'm not going backwards. So what's forward? What does this look like? And we're looking at that. And for me, there's no way I'm going back creates a feeling of determination. And once you're determined, then you can take those actions we talked about instead of running back to them, running back to the discounts and the treadmill. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. What are, what are some of the other areas, uh, then talking about fear being such a, I don't want to, I want to call it a roadblock, but I think such an in, in, impediment 
to a person's well, you know, you've talked a little bit about their health, their well-being, and stuff like that. But what are some of the other impediments that that something like that causes, like fear causes? What are we talking about? Just practices, or are we talking about our life? Well, I think I think it's wide open, right? What are, What are some of the other things we're talking a little? I mean, I I kind of brought you know an example to talk specifically about that, but. What are some of the other challenges that you're going to see as a dentist in day-to-day life that mm-hmm. fear is going to become that, you know, elephant in the room sometimes? Um. Well, I see a lot of practitioners who think that they can't learn how to do something new, you know, like place implants or you know, go to that Coise or that Dawson continuum or you just elevating the level of the care that they offer. They'll Instead, they'll say, well, I'm not special like the other dentists, so I can't go fee-for-service. Instead of how can I become that specialized dentist? It's I can't. Okay, so that's one example. Um, putting up with toxic... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Putting up with toxic relationships, whether it's a marriage or um, maybe a codependent relationship with a parent or an in-law or whatever. There's a lot of um, times we put up with um, being treated in a way we don't want to because we're afraid of what would happen if we set a boundary. Or we'll try to set a boundary, but then the person will cross it and we'll put up with it. Is there anything, any any merit to the the adage uh, "playing the victim"? Does that does that come into play here at all? Yeah, because if you feel like a victim, mm-hmm. you act like a victim. I see that a lot with women who've been taught that it's their job to make sure everybody feels good around mm-hmm. them. And that's how they start to measure their worth mm-hmm. long, maybe in their 11 or 12, mm-hmm. or maybe even younger, they're measuring, is everybody happy with me? And that's like, well, the, everybody else wanted me to do this thing. So I did it. And now I'm the victim, you know, and you, and then you end up acting like a victim. Well, I don't, I mean, to me, it seems like when you do that, you then can color in your entire background to fit your reality that you've created, whether it's real or not. Absolutely. This is another thing about brains, Sunny. Brains love to be right. They love to be right. They love to believe that they're right more than they actually want to be right. And so Mm -hmm. once we have settled into a belief, we continuously look for proof that what we believe is correct. That's exactly, that's, a, that's in a very nicely worded, what I couldn't spit out. That's exactly <laughs> the sentiment that I'm trying to say. And so yeah. we can be stuck in all kinds of unhealthy habits, which our brain then reinforces, whether it's with an insurance company or a spouse or whatever, we, we get into that unhealthy habit and we just, lean into it because we're like, yep, it's true. So what you're talking about then is more empowerment then, right? To get beyond that interference. 
Well, yeah, because if you're open to the fact that what you currently are practicing is wrong, but that if you if you are willing to look at it and learn something new, that you will be better off, you've transcended your brain's desire to be correct and feel safe and gone to a new level of like, I am ready to learn this now. Okay, so mm-hmm. I can go to that coist continuum. I can say no to the PTA who keeps asking me to do things. I can decide this based on what I want instead of what everybody else wants me to do. Okay. All right, we're going to wrap up in a short amount of time, but I, I know that you've got a few more things that you want to recover. Let's Let's cover them. I, you know, I, I feel like we covered it. Actually, this is, it's really is, it's about that awareness that we talked about and choosing a new perspective. And I like putting it in that terms of scarcity and abundance, because that's a, those are buzzwords that everybody kind of understands right now. And if anybody wants help with that, they can reach out to me because I have some free resources and then I have coaching for redirecting that brain to things that are more intentional, more like what, how you want to feel and act. I want to give you one more scenario. And, okay. uh, <laughs> and, that, and this, this will kind of, I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with this. So, okay. So I'm, I'm a solo practitioner dentist and I have a, 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 uh, um, a hygienist, not only use hygienist, let's say a front desk administration person, business person mm-hmm. who, Whenever I come to, to to interact with her, she's fake and phony and she has a, you know, a, a kind of a happiness air. But the feedback that I get, the patience, the input is she's my way, the highway. She's a, a kind of a, a tyrant in her in her domain. I can't get people that will work happily alongside of her. Mm-hmm. But I've been with this person for 15 years and it's um, I'm feeling that I want to do some things and i feel i'm getting held back mm-hmm. what would be some of the what would be some of your advice to the doc in that scenario or something along that line the first thing that we do with that type of thing is we assess whether that employee is really truly willing to follow our leadership or not mm-hmm. like is this an this is a problem of systems and lack of clarity Or is this a problem of an attitude that we cannot improve? And I so so what you're talking about really is you got to get the diagnosis. Correct. What is the problem here? Is -hmm. she not feeling safe? Does she not know what to do? Does she not know what I expect of her? Or (laughs) does she know what she chooses not to follow? There's a completely different um, sets of actions in that situation, right? Just very briefly, if it's an attitude problem and we've established that already, then we know that our problem is internal because we're keeping her around for fear-based reasons and she's actually hurting our practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's find the fear, decide if we want to continue to believe it. If we don't, find a new way to look at it and prepare for the ejection button. <laughs> but if it's lack of clarity, then it's okay. Have I do I need some leadership training 
to help me be very clear with this employee about exactly what I want. And then she gets in line. So you know where I'm going, right? Because you get these Facebook um, yeah. speed dating minutes, fire. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, but no, they want like, hey, I want like, give me a letter, give me a phrase, give me, yes. give me five seconds and this will solve it. But I think, you know, it's unfair because it's not a back and forth in most of them, right? And if you say, just what, I mean, you, you just articulated it beautifully, which is to me, what we do every day, we should be doing every day, find the diagnosis, find the source, find the cause, mm-hmm. then create your treatment plan, right? So if the cause is this, then it's a systems problem. If your cause is that, it's an attitude or, you know, it's a personality situation. So, I mean, that's pretty crystal clear to me, you know, it requires some not really soul searching, but it requires a little digging. You got to get no, it, to it. it. It's absolutely soul searching. If you think you can be a leader of a dental practice and not be attuned to your emotion, enjoy that roller coaster because that's where you're going to be. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh-huh. I yeah. agree. Yeah. But yeah, um, with this particular situation, I would say a lot of people are going to be stuck in fear that they can't make a change. Either mm-hmm. they're like, well, my dad hired her 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Or my patients uh, know her, patients love patients her, lover, yeah. patients lover, or, or whatever it is. I don't know all the things she does. What will I do when she's gone? This is staying over here in the scarcity brain. And you have to get yourself out of that before you're ready to take action. I agree. Well, I appreciate you very much. Uh, this was a really a thought provoking <laughs> exercise. Mm-hmm. And, well, you got it. I had to be on my toes with you today. That's for sure. So very good stuff as always, as always. So a- anybody listening, if they want to reach out to Dr. Laura Mock, the easiest way to get in touch with you is through your website, email, which one? Loveyourpractice.net. Loveyourpractice.net. Mm-hmm. And like she said, she has some free resources as well as she has some coaching services. Yes. Available. And my podcast is on there too, which is also called Love Your Practice. Love Your Practice Podcast. And Spotify. Yeah. There we go. We love it. Co-branding. It's great stuff. Right? <laughs> Excellent. This has been great. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.